Hey, thanks for coming, man. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. Can you hear that? Oh, yeah. That was, ready that's, to go. that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. That was great. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Script. I'm your host, Lonnie Carmichael. Today we have a very special guest in studio, Arizona State Representative Joel John. Welcome to the show, Joel. Thank you for having me, Lonnie. Absolutely. And as always, behind the scenes, the man that never wants me to introduce, Justin Bush, our fearless <laughs> producer and the man that makes all the magic happens. He's the uh, mystery voice that some of you may have been wondering, who the heck is that guy? <laughs> Appreciate it. Welcome to the show. All right, Joel. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. All right. So have you, have you always wanted to be an Arizona State representative? Uh, always no. But um, to be frank, I've, I've had thought about it for several years. And um, in, in fact, I thought about running for this particular position state representative of district four and it was kind of a unique district and diverse geographically um diverse in many other ways and i kind of thought uh i would be a candidate that would be able to make some inroads and be able to connect with the district and the community and but i really kind of had it kind of down the road years later uh when i was older kids were out of the house uh you know had more money or something like that and um, the opportunity came up in in 2020 to run um, there was a nobody wanted to challenge the current incumbents, and um, so I decided to jump in. Somebody said, "Hey, nobody wants to run in this district against the incumbents, and uh, we're looking for a candidate." And so I said, "Sure, I'll I'll give it a shot." I kind of jumped at the chance, and uh, lo and behold, I got elected back in November 2020, and I'm serving my first term in the Arizona House of Representatives, um, and uh, now. Um, Going forward, I'll be running for re-election. So you're running for re-election this November? Yes, this November. That that's, be. that's only two years after? Well, in fact, uh, actually, in August uh, is the primary. So I'll okay. need to run in a primary, and then I'll be uh, running in November um, in the general election. So, so is it? Are, you, are we good? We have some technical difficulties? What's up? I was trying to get <laughs> Hey, so, okay, so do you get, do you run for re-election every two years in the Arizona State House? Yep, we have two-year terms. Right. Am I saying that correctly, the State House or is the yes. State Senate? Or what the is State it? House. Uh, so one chamber is the State House, the Ho Arizona House of Representatives. The other chamber is the State Senate. And um, it, it basically mirrors Congress. You have the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate. Um, they call that a bicameral um, legislature where you have two chambers. And so... Is it is it like in um, on the federal level where you have two senators to represent each state, but you have a various amount of representatives based on population? So it's actually it's not like that. Basically, you have uh, there are 50, sorry there are thirty different districts in the Arizona in the state of Arizona. So it's it's the state of Arizona is broken up into thirty different legislative districts, as they call it, and each district elects one senator and two representatives, and they all serve for terms of two years two years okay are there term limits there are term limits so in arizona you can serve for four consecutive terms or eight years in either chamber after which you either have to you have to step out of that chamber um, in order to run again and so what a lot of people do they'll serve say four terms or eight years and then they'll jump over and run for the senate serve a time jump back over the house a few of them do that there's one guy that i think he's been there for maybe since the late 90s or so, but uh, you're, you're term limited out, basically. So what's the appeal to running for that long? I mean, it's not like you're... You, I, th I looked up your salary here on um, ballot <laughs> ballotopedia.org, and um, I think it says you're making uh, 24000 a year. 
it's a whopping twenty four thousand a year. Yeah. So you do get some per diem, um, it, you know, and, and covers mileage and you know fuel. It's that kind of that's what that's kind of for. But uh, yeah, the salary is abysmal, admittedly. And <laughs> so I, on the side, I, I still have a, a agriculture irrigation business that I run, um, a family business. My family's been involved in agriculture in uh, this part of the state for many many years, uh, probably for well over seventy years now, and. Um, I uh, got involved in the irrigation business many years ago, and, and, and I still run that. And so, uh, otherwise, I mean, I probably, you know, if I didn't have both um, jobs, it, it would be really hard to be in legislature. So, speaking of that, I know a lot. Of, it's kind of a uncomfortable topic, I would say, for people to think about paying elected representatives more because the mindset is those guys make enough money already; they're all corrupt, and most of them are on the take. So, how come you're not on the take, Joel? <laughs> I'm either not smart enough or not dishonest, you know. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't know how to be on the take, uh, to be frank. You know? That's a good answer. I couldn't tell you, you know. And, and really, I, I, no bill has come up um, that, that for me that would be a conflict of interest. Um, you know, and if there is, you, make, you, you request from the Speaker of the House that, uh, that you be excluded from this vote and excused from this vote. Um, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Anyway, um, I have no ambition or desire to use this position for any particular gain other than do what's best for the state of Arizona, do what's best for my district. I, I really just you know, have no other ulterior motive or personal agenda. So do you feel that's why they've kept salaries probably low, as, as you could look at, is because they want to not have that. They want to have the incentive of you're here to make an impact for good. Um, maybe. I think a little, I think a lot of it is uh, just society's negative perception of politicians and don't give them any more money. Um, to be frank, I say, you know, if there's ever opportunity, having served in the legislature and probably um, prior to getting here, um, you know, every so often there's a ballot initiative or a ballot referendum that comes up and, and, where we um, the question for the voters is raise um, the pay for the state legislature, and I probably voted against every single one. Yeah. Being in the legislature now and knowing how much time it takes and how difficult it is and what you have to go through, you know, I would be for raising pay for legislators. And all you would do, you would you would attract maybe um, more people that would want to run for legislature, and as a result, you know, again, you're pulling from maybe a larger pool and ultimately better people, better candidates better people get elected to the, uh, to the legislature. Um, and, uh, cause otherwise you either have to have, um, your maintain your job on the side, which several of us do, but not all, or you either have to be independently wealthy or you have to be retired to be able to make it work. And, uh, some people, I'm not sure how they make it work, but like I said, retired, independently wealthy, or you continue to, to work on the side and it's supposed to be a citizen legislature. You know, um, you don't want people that don't have, you know, where, I, I, I guess I can understand from that aspect, that perspective of uh, you don't want people where this is their only job and, and they don't do anything else. Um, why not? Um, why not? Why not? Have why don't you there? want those? Why don't you want people that only do this and nothing else? I, I guess um, you would want people to uh, you know have still be connected to their community, not be in Phoenix forever. You, and, we have some fairly prominent people, um, you know, Joe Biden. Been in politics for 40 years. Nancy Pelosi, been in politics since like she was like in her 20s. Um, still, you know, running the Speaker of the House. Um, it, arguably, you know, Chuck Schumer, some, some of the other long liners that have been there forever, even, you know, on the Republican side, you know, there's, there's some, some long timers there that probably don't represent, don't, I, at least I don't feel, 
Um, it seems the longer they are there, the less they pay attention to their constituency and the more they're there to play big party politics. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on? Well, uh, they keep getting reelected by that same constituency. So, you know, ultimately it's up, up to the voters. Um, you know, I hear people complain a lot about, you know, especially in Washington. I, I, you probably don't have that as much. There's far more turnover in Arizona um, than there is probably up in Washington. But, you know, um, the same people keep sending these same people. The same voters keep sending the same people back. And there either isn't uh, enough willingness to run against these people or, you know, there could be, uh, I guess, what I call just maybe general apathy from a lot of people, you know, don't pay attention, don't care much about politics, but ballot comes, I'm going to check the box of the person that's been there forever or check the box of just exclusively my party forever, no matter what. And so, it, you know, but I, the more I, the more people, uh, people just need to be more engaged in the political process, more engaged in, in the electoral process and the voting process um, and um, be more involved would you advocate for federal term limits? Uh, you know, I guess I have a, a mixed feelings about term limits. In I, I can see how they've negatively. We have term limits in Arizona. We, it, I can see how it's negatively impacted Arizona really politics. Yeah. So one, and this is kind of some of the complaints I hear too. But um, you have, I guess, less longevity also means that there's less institutional knowledge, less experience in the chamber. Um, and so, some would say that would argue that would be good because you also have less connection to special interests and lobbyists. Could be. Um, let me get. The, I'm going to get the lobbyist thing. Don't remind me about the lobbyist thing too. Okay. But uh, um, so uh, one reason is um, with less um, experience, maybe less longevity in the chamber. Maybe important issues go by the wayside. Maybe a legislator that was carrying an issue, carrying the water on issue for many years, and working on an issue that just took several years, suddenly they're terminated out. They can't be there, and now you have maybe uh, someone replace them. Who that's not an important issue or an issue for them, and so it maybe it gets lost by the wayside. And then I've also heard that because of term limits, you now have say um, the, the people with the power or the people that maybe have disproportionate power are staff because they've been there long and they know what's going on. You know, lobbyists to some degree, they've been there long. They they know what's going on. They pay attention to the legislature, and so. Um, legislators as a result rely heavily on staff rely heavily on knowledge and um, issues from lobbyists and so anyway that's i can i can see where there's pros and cons perhaps to term limits i think ultimately um i think how i felt maybe before i got to the chamber was in regards to term limits you have term limits every two years they're called elections stop if you don't like the people stop voting for them and if they keep getting elected either people like them or people just go i'm just going to check the box of the same person or i'm not paying attention enough so so, so i want to ask you brought up <clears throat> did you say what you wanted to about lobbyists lobbyists so yeah so i i can understand there's a negative perception about lobbyists um and you know i guess legislative affairs people, legislative liaison, um, industry advocates. So um, I'm sure there are, I've met a lot of lobbyists doing this. You know, I hadn't before. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of bad lobbyists somewhere. I've met actually a lot of good, just regular people who advocate for industries. And so one example I think of is the Farm Bureau. Um, so I think of farmers who, they they want to spend their time farming. They can't spend their time down at the state capitol all day, every day, trying to advocate for their interests. So what do they do? They create an organization like the Farm Bureau, and they pool their resources and hire a lobbyist or somebody that represents farmers through the Farm Bureau. So that you be at the capitol, watch our backs of the capitol, advocate for our needs and interests. And so farming is a big one. Mining, again, they have lobbyists that advocate for mining. Mining provides a lot of revenue, a lot of jobs to the state. 
Uh, and then really they got advocates for everything, you know, police, healthcare uh, associations, healthcare associations, fire associations, education, et cetera. Um, and, and really, in my opinion, these are people who are appointed by the organizations that create them, you know, like farmers, and they get involved and, and they have their, their... So the farmers want to pick a lobbyist that's going to represent them well. Yeah, and if exactly. they don't, the invisible mm-hmm. hand theory will say that those people won't be a lobbyist very long if they don't represent the interests of the people that represent it well. You're exactly right. And yeah. that's, a, that's a, uh, a way for them, not only through their representatives, but also their lobbyists who they focused full-time on, say, the farming interest, the mining interest. Um, that's an opportunity for them to maybe have another seat at the table, so to speak. You know, ultimately, we make the vote, we make the decision, but it's just information. Okay, give me information. Oh, this bill's bad. Tell me why. Um, and so, or this bill's good. Tell me why. And so, I think really, you know, two heads are better than one. The more people you have there, um, you know, bouncing ideas around and issues around, the better. So, they just, you know, uh, 90 of us representing the state of Arizona. We can't, there's not, it's not possible for all of us to know everything all the time, especially the wide range of issues we deal with. Yeah. And so, and it's just elect, elect good people who won't, uh, you know, if there is, if there's nefarious things going on with lobbyists in the state of Arizona, I'm either not smart enough to know, know or I'm just not in the know <laughs> properly. So, um, you know, it, like if it's happening, you know, maybe I just got elected, maybe I'm just too new to figure it out. But, um, you know, I look at it as just information and make sure you elect good people that if there are nefarious activities, the, the people who won't get involved in that kind of thing. Well, it may also be your personal integrity that you wouldn't get involved in those you kinds of things either. You wouldn't get but, involved. Like I said, right. I am, uh, I, I ran, I won. I would like to get reelected because I think we need just good, decent people down the legislature, but I'm not so tied to this and in love with this that I'm, I'm dying to do it forever. So if I get reelected, awesome. If I don't, Frankly, a big, huge weight is off my shoulders. And I could probably, okay, move on to other things. So you um, are running for re-election. I'm running for re-election. Okay, like, like I said, I, I'm you know I'm I'm not so in love with this. I don't I'm, I don't do this for my own self promotion or self importance or because I want to end up in Congress. Um, so I, I'm not interested in I guess playing those games or um, you know like to uh, um, dispensing with my honesty or integrity to try to make sure I can come back. Did you initially have aspirations to run for higher offices? Frankly, I did. I, and I those, know you did. That's why I'm asking. Those aspirations <laughs> have diminished considerably. Um, you know, and I think in a couple of reasons, one, I think in the state of Arizona, and I know people look at Congress and go, whoa, isn't that exciting? I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to Washington. Yeah. Um, and you know, the halls of Congress are so inspiring. Um, so I think that has, a lot of play, but I think in the state of Arizona, since we're closer to the community, closer to the district and the people, I think you have more of an impact on everyday lives and everyday people in the state of Arizona, the, the things you do, the issues you cover. Um, so I, there's that. Um, but also it's um, the, there are individuals in the house chamber that have those aspirations and that's fine, but oftentimes it negatively impacts good policy or they won't support they, they want to support good policy or they won't support good policy um, or good laws or bills um, because of it'll interfere with their aspirations for our office or that they, um, they want to support bad policies for the same reason. And so um, really, ultimately, um, it, it, I can see how that negatively impacts that. And so my thinking is, I just want to make good policy. That's all I care about. And so um, those kinds of individuals have the tendency to make the job a little more difficult, more more of a partisan thinking or ideological or 
or personal agenda that they're thinking about and they tend to make it difficult and so my thinking was the house chamber is a little more uh, what's the word i can use um is a little more lively than i thought it would be and so i can imagine congress you know the halls of washington are way worse than that i mean no that is no place for just an average regular simple guy like me to be you know it's just that's way beyond me and i i i'm not in this for me i'm not in this for to raise my profile um, I'm there just to do the right thing. And so, um, I have no interest to, you know, I'll be happy to serve in the state of Arizona. And if there's an opportunity to do anything else, we're like, Hey, we'd like you to continue serving in X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy to, if I felt it was the right thing to do, but that is not even in my realm of thinking. So something I want to go back to, you said earlier that people continue to elect these politicians that we may or may not love. Right, but they continue to get reelected. So I want to speak to election integrity. What what are we doing about election integrity in Arizona, and how can the voters that are going to come vote have assurances that their vote's going to be counted and not manipulated, or um, that there won't be nefarious votes that are counted that should not be? So election integrity obviously is a very important issue. I think for most Arizonans um, in the state of Arizona, we've actually. The last session, because it was coming off the hills of the election, a lot of bills came in, and this, including this session, uh, that were termed election integrity bills. And we have passed a lot of good bills that improve our election processes or make changes in in good ways. I think not every bill that's labeled election integrity is a good bill, you know. And usually, it's oh, this is a good bill; it's election integrity. Oh, guess what? You're going to make you're going to make the process worse, or you're going to mess it up. Um, and how do people, uh, I think the best way is to make sure you let good people who run elections, um, candidates for secretary of state or candidates for county recorders, um, make sure you let good people who are just follow the law. Just carry out the law as the law is written. And if it needs to be changed, that's why we have a legislature. And then also get involved. Um, get involved, volunteer to work the polls on election day. Um, get involved in your community. Uh, um, so, you know, I, I, before I did this, I had some concerns, you know, maybe about the elections. Um, and I, I, I did a, a campaign school through the Farm Bureau um, before I uh, ran, uh, while I was running, um, you know, I was probed, hey, we're doing this campaign school for candidates. You want to join? I did. And during that, we had a secretary of, uh, somebody with the Secretary of State's office, um, come and t- tell us about turning in our petitions and all the paperwork that we'd need to do this. And I, I remember when she came, I kept thinking, I know she's out to get us. I just know it, you know. And after she spoke and she told us, okay, this is who I am, this is where I come from, this, you know, she really instilled in me some faith in our election system, like, hey, you know, the process works. Um, so only if, if uh, you have concerns about the election system, make sure you vote for good recorders and secretary of states and get involved, uh, become a poll observer, become a poll worker, um, and, uh, see it for yourself. And I think once you see the process, um, I, I've been able to w- witness the process in the Maricopa County election center twice. Um, it, it's a, it's a pretty fascinating process and it's real in depth and, and, um, real stringent as well and, and very procedural. And well, so. That is this instilled confidence in me in, in the election system. And this this might be more on a federal level, but um, certainly the last election, there was a lot of a lot of banter about election fraud. And there was an Arizona State audit of the election. Do you know, do you want to speak to that? Do you have any knowledge sure, of that? Sure, I'd be um, happy to speak to that. Um, it, I, it seemed to me frankly, that it happened. There were some findings. I don't know what they are. I don't think they were reported on very much. And I don't know that they were a big deal or that they weren't. 
So I guess uh, I'll speak frankly on this, and it may not uh, help for re-election, but oh well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of concerns about the election. Um, And as far as I understand, there were 60 or some 61 lawsuits that were initiated um, to address the issues. Um, None of those panned out. Uh, Many of them were either thrown out for lack of evidence or lack of standing or others, you know, whatever reason. So um, we have a judicial system. It's there. It's it, it's uh, may not be a perfect system, but I think it's it's worked since the history of our country. It's part of the Constitution, th- third branch of government. If there are issues, the judicial branch is where it's taken up. Um, and no headway was made with the last election in the within the judicial branch. Um, and so, like I said, innocent until proven guilty. There are, I think, three or four amendments dealing with trial by jury, presumption of innocence, things like that. Um, and if you can't have your day in court and prevailing court, then, you know, that's kind of the end. I mean, and there's the processes, you know, you can appeal, you can do this and that. Um, as far as the audits, um, um, like I said, I've, been, I've witnessed the Maricopa County Elections Center. I've, I've seen the process. They walk through it with a handful of uh, legislators. Um, it's an impressive process. I think they do a wonderful job there at the recorder's office. Um, and as far as my perception of the audit is that the Arizona Senate, I was in the House last session, so I had nothing to do with the Senate's decisions. Um, the House decided not to get involved with the audit. The Senate did. I think the Senate had an opportunity to um, to maybe help instill or put at ease people's fears about the election system or their concerns. And instead, they hired somebody who had not ever audited an election and had no election experience. And I think even went in there with perhaps a bias on the outcome. Um, and I don't think it, the people that ran it, um, because of that lack of experience, it, in many ways, it wasn't run professionally. They had a Twitter account where they would um, <laughs> release things and, and say things and kind of stir people up. Um, and ultimately the result of the audit was it basically came out to be nearly identical to what the, um, the election results were in Maricopa County. Um, and that would be, I think it had the audit achieved it's, it had the audit. And I think that maybe the Senate's goal was to, um, help instill people more confidence in the election. Let's, let's put to rest all these fears. Um, so people, you know, will turn out in elections again, won't be afraid to turn out. Um, I think it did the opposite in many ways because of um, things that were said and things that were done by the people that, that audited it, they were involved, the Twitter account, et cetera. I think in many ways it, it made people less confident um, in, in our elections in a lot of ways. And so um, it's, it's, I think it's been – the Maricopa County, for example, they were the ones in question. They had um, federally certified auditors um, – certify the equipment they had um the election system um uh, what is it um was it verified or uh i forget the, the word that they used um but they checked the machines before they checked them after they checked the process the results they had federal um federally certified elections um observers and auditors after the election and looked it over and didn't find any discrepancies and so I'm just going to rely on that, you know, let the professionals handle it, you know, and, um, and basically I, I think it works. Don't lose faith in the system. Um, if there are problems, like I said, um, we can address them by legislate by statute or with the judicial branch to overcome any of those issues.
Very good. So a couple, <clears throat> let's talk about a couple issues facing our state. If, if you're up for that um, one, one that's on my mind. No, because you already threw me under the bus with the uh, election system. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it away. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? You're right. Guess what? <laughs> if I cared about running for Congress, I would probably be more prepared and canned and, and have all my statements just perfectly refined. I don't. We're not. You want to appear real and, <laughs> and uh, normal and like you're one of, I'm one of you, you know? I think, I think, so I just kind of, guess what? I'll just tell you what I think and wing it. I don't know. Go for so. I think I think people and, and maybe it's ignorance based, but I think people like me would rather see a non-career politician um, because it's much more representative of me and who I am. They may not know how to get things done necessarily from from the establishment side, but uh, my views might be more closely represented by somebody that hasn't been inside politics for a long time because I'm a regular person. I'm not a regular person. I'm a non-politician, I guess is what I should say. So you're saying if I managed to do this for a while, eventually like I'm not voting for him because he's been there too long. Well, I guess it depends on how you do <laughs> <laughs> the track record. will there throw all right. Um, so what about immigration? You know, we, um, we have an interesting situation, I think coming up facing our state based on um, some things that had happened on the federal level. Um, was it the Title 94 funding? Title 42, I think. I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe it, Justin it, can fact check that for us. But <laughs> and as, as far as I understand, that is the um, title that allows, and I think it was implemented during COVID, and it allows um, the Border Patrol to um, have people remain in Mexico um, while they're awaiting their court date. And so um, really, uh, the border is a problem. There's no doubt about that. There's an influx of people. Um, a lot, I think a lot of people take advantage of a changed administration, and I think the current administration has not effectively, um, had not done as much as they could do with the border, and so now you have an influx of people, and that's overwhelming resources in um, in our state, well, so Border I, Patrol, et cetera. I guess the counter argument there is that this is a nation built on immigrants, right? Yeah. And um, without immigration, I mean, my family wouldn't be here. And um, many families wouldn't be here. And so I think this gets stigmatized and blown into an emotional argument of, well, why don't you want families to be together? Or why don't you want to allow new people the opportunity to come to the United States? You know, why, why are we so hardline about border integrity? Um, uh, um, there, there's an argument for that's how this nation was built. Why are we changing that? Yeah, so I, I think we have laws and procedures as far as immigrating to this country the proper way. Um, now, that probably needs some work because it takes a long time and a lot of years. Um, and, and, some, and some resources, And too. it really does. And I think one of the problems that can't give, be fixed because of just hyper-partisanship up, in, up the hill in Washington and that there are probably people willing to work on it, but there are probably not enough people willing to um, work on it because... Like, you know, put their electability at risk. Yeah. You know, all or nothing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to, you know, if it's, if it's too long and cumbersome and too hard, um, if need changes need to be made, I'm not opposed to that. Listen, I'm not in Washington, so I couldn't tell you all the ins and outs of the policies going up there, but you know, it's at the same time, you still have to have, um, border security. You still need to police the border, make sure that people are coming, they're coming the right way. Um, and, um, you know, make sure we are, uh, you know, following the law. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's balanced. Make sure we have laws and procedures to immigrate. Make sure you're policing the border so it's secure. Um, and, and change it if it's necessary, uh, if, uh, if it needs um, if it needs some changes at the federal level. But I, I don't anticipate that happening up in Washington anytime soon. Yeah, I tend to agree. So just to clarify, 
It was Title 42 is the policy. I think Title 42 is 94 comes from the I-94 proof of legal entry form. Okay. So. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we've done in the state of Arizona is we have, uh, we appropriated money to the Arizona National Guard. um, And this was at the Border Patrol's request. What they requested was help with administrative duties so they could be free of that and so that they could... um, put more of their agents on the border. And so we, last session, we appropriated money to do that and provide fund the Arizona National Guard to help uh, with border security in Arizona. And that, one of the things we've done to, to help with that. So so other than re-election, what are some other things you're working on right now that you're passionate about that you can talk about on the on the air? You know, I think, uh, frankly, I think the most important issues facing the state, um, I would say three most important issues. And these aren't things that get people excited. They're not really partisan. They're not, as somebody said, they're not really dramatic either. Um, <laughs> and don't make the news all the time. But really, I think uh, probably the number one issue facing the state right now is water. Um, uh, we need to be more efficient with water. Um, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we need to look out for our water resources, find, find ways to augment water, find ways to conserve and be more efficient with water. Um Right now, Lake Mead, I think. And maybe keep more of our own water in our own state. Yeah, keep more water in the state. Um, you know, try to figure out how we can bring more water into the state, um, conserve the water that we have. Well, a certain amount of our water um, goes to base, you know, the, the water the water compacts and the legislation that controls water. There's, you know, very long-standing agreements between, mm-hmm. you know, California and Nevada yep. Mexico, right? There's a certain amount of water, like I said, that comes into our state yep. that doesn't get to stay in our state no matter what. Yeah, so the, from what I understand, the Colorado River is, uh, um, it's uh, you know, it's appropriated. It goes certain places, um, you know, depending on the, the priorities, uh, the priorities of, of who gets it, what, and who gets first. Um, and from my, what I understand, when they created that compact, um, it was in a very wet year when the river was flowing very heavily, and as a result, the river's over-appropriated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so more water is appropriated to users than the, the river is delivering. So, you know, tough decisions are going to be ha- have to be made. Uh, and really, you need, you need good, decent people who want to be there and focus on these important issues and aren't going to find a way to politicize them or, you know, <laughs> make them political and partisan um, and just, okay, what is the best... Um, thing for my district, what is the best thing for the state? Um, you know, water, energy, another important, uh, another important issue in the state. Um, as as people say, we want a a reliable and affordable energy grid. We don't want what, hap- what happened in Texas over the winter. We don't want that to happen in Arizona. Um, so I want to me. I want to be able to turn the lights on, have them turn on, and I don't want to pay out the nose when I do. And so you know, one of the things we worked on this session currently, we're still working on it. Um, is is a bill to like, address some of the issues with statute in the state that may result in some of the problems that they had in Texas during this cold winter, and um, they weren't able to meet energy demand. And uh, so, like, what would be improved or changed? Would be, so, um, retail competition is one of the things um, they're trying to improve. Re- retail competition. Retail competition. So, and so, um, it, what does that mean? Is that like when APS, SRP, um, the major power utilities are are Selling and buying power, or what is retail basically basically allow companies to come from outside um, and kind of treat energy as a commodity. They can possibly increase the price, not pay in, and as a result, maybe not pay into the current infrastructure, the energy infrastructure, all the transmission lines that we currently have. And so, I think we have a pretty good energy system here in Arizona. What happened in Texas was, um, you know, I, I believe, from what I understand. 
purely competitive, purely um, in some degree much more competition involved. And so when um, they were short on supply on energy, um, prices went through the roof. People were paying 10000 20000 who knows how many thousands of dollars a month for the bill. That high? Yeah, they got, they got they were, that high. They were astronomically high. Wow. Um, and it's like the Buckeye water system. Buckeye's <laughs> <laughs> okay, had some issues there. Um, and, and I think because, you know, one of the things is our energy, our rate provider, energy providers here in the APS SRP, um, by, statute they're required, by statute, they're required to provide energy um, to certain places. And so maybe small users in a, in a market, um, in a different market, would not get serviced um, and so again, kind of they're under obligation to provide reliable, um, reliable energy and at a, um, at a, at a, at a decent cost. And they have to go before an elected board, um, to get those, um, to get their, any rate increases, they have to go through their elected board, the corporation commission to get those, um, rates increases approved. Um, and so I, I think of it as like, you know, energy, um, it, it can't easily be stored. It can't, you know, basically what is produced is what is almost consumed immediately, you know, and that's our energy grid. It's, it's not like other commodities that you can store and put it away in a safe or put it away in a big storage facility and, and wait until, you know, oh, hey, we're running short on energy, so um, let's pull out, let's pull from here. Um, and so uh, and that's one of the things we're working on in the state. Um, infrastructure, we need to make sure that we have a, a pretty robust uh, infrastructure system here in the state. Now, when you say infrastructure, are you speaking I mean, of the, like the highway transportation system? Transportation system, or, like or is there more to infrastructure than that? Because I, I think of it as as roads and um, you know roads and highways. Our transportation system probably be, be more specific. And so, we would rather spend more time at our home or at our work rather than on the road. Yeah, not to our commute. <laughs> not to our commute. And <laughs> For so, sure. you know, and, and so... So how come, why does that always happen? I have a theory as to why this always happens, but it seems like we're always behind building roads and infrastructure. And my theory for that is, is that the, the municipalities and the cities don't have the tax revenue until the people show up to build and make those infrastructure plans. Or is that just bad budgeting? You know, you know what? You're probably right. I think uh, it's like Buckeye. Take Buckeye for example. A lot of times they don't have the you know when a new company is interested in coming to Buckeye, you know, uh, they want to build a major facility. Um, Buckeye doesn't have the tax revenue to be able to afford to put in all the infrastructure that is required for that facility, all the water and sewer and roads and everything else um, that the city provides. And so um, it, I think as a result, they've they've lost out on some opportunities because of that they didn't have that. Um, when when businesses do come, um, I think they uh, I, I think what the city of Buckeye does is they rely a little bit on the current taxpayers and on the businesses that come to provide some of this stuff. Um, so and yeah, I mean really it, one thing you hit on the hit on the head is that it, these things require money, um, and so at the state when we look at infrastructure projects, say a, a particular ask for a particular place. Um, Say, you know, take Jackrabbit, uh, the, the exit on Jackrabbit there at I-10. Um, I think from Phoenix west to California, I think that's, um, or in Maricopa County, that's one of the only, if not the only exit on-ramp, on-ramp off-ramp that has not been upgraded um, on I-10. And so oh. that's something we're working on, but these things cost money. And one of the things when we, when we, drop bills for appropriations for a fund like that. For example, we say, um, you know, a lot of the questions are, okay, is the county going to have some buy-in? Is the, are the local communities going to have some buy-in rather than, you know, the state just dumping money here um, for, 
for an area that may not um, have statewide impact. You know, this is in a little in a in a community here in Maricopa County. Um, this particular exit, and so yeah, you know, you want to have buy-in from um, the you know the county, from the local communities, and then the state kicks in money. And usually, that's when you know more of the members and legislature are willing to you know, to appropriate money for these those kinds of things. But it takes money, um, and, and in order to keep the roads upgraded, in order to keep them up to standard or up to uh, um, you know keep them from deteriorating, you know, they they wear down like anything. Takes money to build new infrastructure, um, and some of the proposals I've seen that if you know if we don't you know in however many years, twenty years or whatever, um, if we don't continue to build infrastructure and have the state provide funds to continue doing that in Maricopa County, all every road and surface street in in the county is going to be just at a standstill. You know, look at think of a Google Map and it's all red from just. Stansel's traffic, traffic, and I, you know there are a lot of people legislature that uh, you know don't see that or don't care or, um, or they don't want to appropriate the money because it's bad for reelection, I guess. Or people just need to carpool. Or carpool, you know, absolutely, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I love how we get these recommendations. Everybody should just drive an electric car, or like you know, there's or more people seem to carpool. Well, sometimes that's really not practical. It's yeah, it, right? it, it's not. And so you know, there are proposals to continue um, all the you know we we have. Um, you know, the 101, the 202, the 303 um, that have been funded in throughout the valley. And, and so there are proposals to keep that funded so we can continue building out the infrastructure here in the, here in the county. So. Very good. Do you have anything else you wanted to cover? I don't know. You, uh, this is, this is your show. So I guess. <laughs> you know. If you didn't get reelected, what, uh, what are something that you're passionate about outside of? You know, I would have said, you know, politics and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> politics, religion. What if, you know, I can see having, if I didn't get reelected, I can see serving in the legislature and having that experience. Um, I could, um, I guess, and I don't know what I'd do that. I'd probably um, continue to just be involved in the community and, and be able to, um, you know, okay, this is how the legislature works. And if, you know, this is how to get things done here. Um, and I'm not sure what that would mean, but, um, you know, I can see maybe more involvement in my political party and um, try to be more of a, perhaps a voice of reason. And, <laughs> um, you know, seeing what I've seen, uh, you know, it really my, in a lot of ways, my perspective has changed a little bit, just seeing what I've seen, done, done what I've done. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things was I, I, I ran expecting to run on, when I first ran, I expected to be talking about all these other issues than what I ended up talking about. And that was because when I was knocking doors and I knocked, knocked a lot of doors in, um, you know, for example, in South Yuma County where, which is part of my district um, and it's a border community in Yuma County. I knocked a lot of doors, mostly in, uh, in Hispanic areas, Spanish speaking areas. And so I spoke a lot of Spanish, knocked a lot of doors and, and um, really the 99% of the conversations I had were um, people who just, they cared about the economy. They want needed a job to put food on the table. They cared about education because they wanted their kids to get a good education, have a better life than they did. And then they cared about healthcare because they didn't want to, um, they wanted to go to the doctor, but not go bankrupt trying to go to the doctor. And so that was like 99% of the conversations I had. And so, you know, I, some of the, I, I met some of the greatest people on the campaign trail, salt of the earth, down the earth kind of people. And I realized that you know, most people just care about the regular everyday issues that impact their lives every single day. And most of them, you know, a lot of these issues that, 
dominate the news. You know, hey, it's it's this isn't helping me feed my kids and get them to school. And so, um, you know, their, their focus is, you know, more immediate localized issues. And so uh, how is the state doing with education? You mentioned education and we traditionally have had a, not the best reputation in the state of Arizona for um, how we rank. Um, I have not kept up with the trend. I don't know where we are and how we're doing and, and how you even measure that. Right. I know, but I, what I do know is that I grew up, you know, in a small town, small farming town, um, and then I went to Buckeye High School, and then I went. We went on to um, college, and I was able to receive all the education I ever dreamed of, mm-hmm. and I was able to get into the schools I wanted to get into. And so I'm a product of this small. You know, I, I went to I went to the wrong high school. I went to the wrong. You know, I started junior colleges. I didn't do anything Ivy League. You know, no private schools. Um, I'm a product of the public education system here in Arizona, and it served me very well. So when everybody and anybody would talk about how poor the education quality in our state was. I didn't relate. Like, well, you probably didn't go to, you know, they would discount where I went to school. I was like, man, I went to school with a bunch of migrant farm worker kids and it was the farmers and migrant farm worker kids and a few other people. And that was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, mm-hmm. we had a pretty diverse, you know, childhood and upbringing and it was fantastic. I really loved it. But um, how is the educational state of our state? So I know last session we appropriated a lot of money towards the educational system, um, and I think a lot of that is compartmentalized. A lot of people say, oh, look at all this money they're getting. It's com- compartmentalized, meaning it goes to, to specific uses, uses and can't just be used for everything. Um, I've been in the classroom. I taught school um, for a while in Buckeye, and, um, I, you know, uh, one of the things I'm all for is, you know, anything to help teachers get paid more because I've been there and didn't make a lot of money and drove semi trucks during the summer so I could compensate for my teacher pay. Um, and it, it's really a difficult, thankless job um, and, and a hard job managing large classes of kids um, and all day, every day. And, um, you know, not an easy job. Um, and so not a lot of people do it. So, um, so my understanding, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, so if we if we increase our pay for our teachers, my understanding is we don't necessarily need more numbers of teachers. We need higher quality teachers. I, right, I think we need both because right now a lot of districts are short on teachers. There's okay. there's a um, was that teacher vacancy? Is that pre post COVID issues or is that? I think it's a little bit. I think it was pre COVID. It's been accelerated by COVID, where you have a lot of people in a lot of industries who have left their industries and haven't returned. Right. Um, and like I said, it, a lot of times it's a difficult, thankless job. And so, uh, not a lot of pay. Um, but you know, I, I think ultimately, what I advocate for is local control and. Um, and we here in this area or in whatever you live in, you elect a board. They are duly elected um, members of an official board in official capacity that set um, set policies for the local school district. And so um, I think if you elect a good board, a good board will appoint a good superintendent. A good superintendent will appoint good, will hire good principals. Good principals will hire good teachers. I think it all originates from the ground level and the people in the community and the kind of board members they're they're electing and and to that i would say get involved on your board get involved in your your community my kids go to district schools here locally in the area um you know i i I taught school i went to district schools um i went to public schools my kids go to public schools i taught in public schools um you know i I don't know if i was ever uh, so passionate about 
making sure the schools in our community, the public schools um, were taken care of. But when I got to the chamber, there were people that just frankly are outright hostile towards, towards them. And I look at it and I go, wait, wait, you know, I come from a rural district, a rural area, a rural legislative district. Um, this is what's available. You know, the legislation a lot of times uh, has negative impact on our schools. So let's be careful. Let's tread lightly. Let's make sure we're not making the job more difficult or making it harder to operate and whatnot. And um, I think what you've seen in the legislature over the many years, and I've only been there for a little while, but um, you know, I think you see more and more statute that continues to give more and more power maybe to the legislature or to statewide um, statewide boards rather than allowing school boards to just operate and do what they do and allowing the community members to appoint their school board and let them let them make decisions that impact their their local districts. So so again I'm definitely a fan of local control. Yeah and people getting involved where they are. Getting you know, involved. Especially yeah. if you're not happy with what's happening. Right. Don't exactly. just sit around and complain about it. Actually take that energy and, yeah. and do something positive with it by be, be, becoming involved. And, and a lot of people, you know, they get upset with maybe something that went on in their school district. And what I see a lot of times at the legislature is you have a couple districts that are, you know, just not very good districts or road districts. And they have an or one issue with one teacher here. And then there are calls for statewide statute to address that. And a lot of time my thinking is, hey, you have a board. You know, that's what they're there for. And so, you know, I had a I had a uh, person call me recently about an issue at their school and uh, in this community. And they said, I'm going to talk with the teacher and the principal. And, and that was the end of it. They didn't say, we need a bill right now. We need to fix this. You know, they, they dealt with it locally, as most things I think should be dealt with locally. But I understand when people get upset about certain things, they get passionate and they think we need a law. Let's make a new law and fix it. And uh, the problem with state statute is, say, in relation to in relation to many things, but say in relation to districts, is it's not a f- uh, it's not a fine instrument. It is a blunt instrument that you're trying to squash the one thing you get, but you end up maybe squashing a bunch of other things that is are really good. And so, you, what you need the, the maybe the precision work or precision instrument of local control to try to weed out the things you don't want to see or don't like, or that maybe um, bad actors or bad teachers or administrators or whatnot. And again, that's if, in my opinion, that originates with the local board, the local duly elected board by the elected by the people that live in the community. Very, very good. Thank you for answering that. Yeah. Are you involved in any committees? Do you guys do that kind of stuff? How does that work? So I, um, last session I sat on, so this, I, I currently sit on the education committee and the land ag and rural affairs committee. And basically we deal with, education policies or policies dealing with uh, land or agriculture, or, you know, like rural affairs. Um, and uh, last session, I also sat on criminal justice committee, but that committee, um, that committee was merged with the judiciary committee this session. And so um, we had a lot of new members come in from a lot of resignations over the interim. And so uh, I, I just sit on those two committees currently. All right. Well, if people want to find out more about you, your positions and things, or just um, other really like trying to figure out what's going on at the state Capitol and like how you, like what you're voting on, what you're talking about. How would we do that? So I do have a website, joeljohn.com. Um, and then I also have a Facebook page, Joel John for house. Um, no, I think we changed the name representative Joel John. It says now, um, so you can go there and, um, contact me through those sites. Um, uh, you can also, uh, sign up to volunteer or, even donate if you want to. So. <laughs> Couldn't be an easier website to remember. <laughs> JoelJohn.com. <laughs> so, you know, 
donate. I, I, I put that plug in there. It, you know, it, it's like advertising for business. It, it costs money to run campaigns. It really does. Um, and I, I don't know any other way around that. And, and I think hopefully if you're a good candidate, people would be willing to donate and help you out and um, make sure that good people get sent there. And like I said, it's like I talked about local control or involvement in elections, you know, get involved, support good people that um, want to do good. And, um, you know, otherwise you're going to have people that don't want to do good there. Um, and uh, they'll, they won't do good for our state. The void will be filled. The one way, the vo- void. One way or another, the <laughs> void will be filled. And, and that really concerns me. And I wasn't concerned before. And then I get involved and I go, wow, um, if good people aren't here, bad people will be. And so um, people just have no interest in good interest in good policy or local policies or the policies that impact us every day. And are they're more interested in raising their profile and making, uh, you know, getting likes and clicks and shares on social media and ultimately getting to Congress or wherever they want to be. And uh, so those aren't the people I want to see in the state legislature. I just want to see good, regular, down-to-earth people who care about the communities and just want to do good work in the state. Um, and, and frankly, that's, that's all I'm about. And, uh, so hopefully I can do it again and we'll play it term by term. Uh, if I can get reelected, we'll see how the next term goes and I'll decide whether or not I want to continue or move on to something else. There you go. Joeljohn.com. I know more. Thanks for being <laughs> on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I think, uh, that'd be a good time to wrap here. Thank you for listening to the value script. Again, if you found value here, we ask that you, uh, subscribe and share. Thank you. This old highway's getting longer Seems there ain't no end in sight To sleep would be best But I just can't afford to rest Got a ride in Denver tomorrow night I called my house but no one answered For the last two weeks, no one's been home I guess she's through with me To tell the truth, I just can't see What's kept a woman holding on this long And the white line's getting longer And the saddle's getting cold I'm much too young to feel this damn old All my cards are on the table With no waste left in the hole I'm much too young to feel this damn old